0: Echo's Box podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. everyone. Welcome back to Echo's Box. This is episode three. And yes, we will get into daddy issues. <laughs> uh, but for starters, that song was actually by a project band called Kickstand. Um, it's called Talladega. The screamy bits were me. Um, I don't really want to share that song because it's something I want you all to be aware of, but because it's thematically relevant to today's episode. And, and, and I mean, honestly, it's a pretty good song. But um, but it's essentially the same band I'm in mean, now that you've heard the last couple episodes, last Lost in the Le Mans. Same people. We were really it was just our main guy, Seth, trying to to do something and he had me featured on and then involved in what it is. But so yeah, if you like that song, feel free to go check it out. But again, the only reason I really picked it was for thematical presence because we're talking about dead dad stuff today, and that's kind of what that song's about. It's a common bond, me and one of my friends share, unfortunately. Um, but anyway before I do that, though, I've had a lot of experiences this week that I kind of want to unravel, uh, and I found a good tie-in uh, that I think is a lesson both to me and potentially to whatever audience is listening um, that could be beneficial. So, you know, when I first kicked off this uh, this podcast project, I was undergoing a lot of stress with um, giving out energy to people, and not feeling that it was reciprocated and i actually made myself very physically sick from it um i could have gotten covid for all i know but it, either way the chain of events uh lent itself to me being physically ill and down for several days and it felt like it normally does whenever i wear myself out that's why i don't think it was anything else but regardless i was sick and it sucked um and then on top of that a bunch of other stuff happened so um you know, one thing that I want to highlight is that, uh, and I, I actually, it's, it's funny cause I'm starting with the solution here. I'm starting with what the answer is to the question that I'm addressing. And the answer is I did it to myself. Uh, it's all my fault. Like all, all that energy that I put out to people. Um, I even had one of those new friends I was making. Uh, she, she uh, listened to the, one of the episodes of the podcast and one of her notes was apologizing for not fully reciprocating. I'm like, no, 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 I'm the, I'm the outsider. I'm the new guy. I should be putting in energy for you guys to reciprocate, and you should be filling me out whether or not you like me or not. Um, There's nothing wrong with what the other side was doing. It was all on me and me choosing to give out that much energy and I'm aware of that um, but like I said before I would rather give out too much energy than not enough because that's the only way to, to truly have it reciprocated so I, I don't expect anybody to fully reciprocate the first time through that doesn't make any sense you don't know me and I don't know you I'm I'm being overzealous um, if anything um, and, and sure maybe I do it tactfully but it's it's still a drain on me and I do it to myself um, so that that's kind of where I want to start is that all of these things I want to talk about, the ultimate answer is it it's me. It's my fault, my doing. Um, and taking responsibility for that and changing that can be powerful. So I want to start in a kind of weird place. We're going to talk about the Bible today. Um, so for those of my listeners that may be uh, of Christian faith, you'll probably recognize the story and probably relate to it fairly well. But I'm going to put a kind of lens on it that is more globalistic and... Uh, can help others kind of figure out what this means, even if they lack a certain faith. So uh, the story of Job is a really neat uh, book that is in the Bible. It a lot of stuff happens. I'm not going to read you the story of Job, obviously, but to summarize, um, there's a very wealthy man and he has tons of cattle, uh, family, place to live. His name is Job, and he uh, he's just rocking and rolling in the world, right? And uh, one day. Uh, this figure called satan comes in and is like hey satan uh or i mean it's like hey god <laughs> satan talking to satan uh he's like hey god um uh i noticed your your homeboy down there is real faithful to you and you've given him uh a lot of a lot of bountiful plentiness." if i think he says you've built a fence around them of, of some sort i can't remember the exact verbiage but um satan's like hey you know i work for you too But are you sure that that job is is truly faithful uh that that he wouldn't turn away even if he didn't have all this good in his life let me let me go mess with him right and god's like all right cool go mess with him uh see how that works out and for modern christian faith uh, and this is what i was taught too when i was going to church um, the story is usually geared as a um a guide to say hey lean on god always and he will get you through it the lens i'm going to put on that though is satan gave god all the credit for all the uh, plentifulness that happened in job's life but even if that's true even if god did provide some of that or even all of that it's not without job doing something that stuff doesn't just miraculously appear he doesn't just have cattle that's not realistic like if we're talking about a real person and in a real historical context and we're trying to relate to this it, these aren't miracles popping out of thin air uh th- this guy worked <laughs> you can assume he worked you can assume he worked hard with his family and you can assume he went through a lot to get to where he was and it's you can't assume it was all easy either like you don't just not have like cattle problems and stuff all the time like we, we got to put a real life lens on this kind of stuff and when you do that you unlock a really special secret of perspective that you can apply to your own life. So for me, I like the story of Job a lot because, uh, it says, it speaks to me in a way that says, Hey, you know, you have all these nice things and things are going well for you. Well, what are you going to do when shit hits the fan? How are you going to handle that? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to fall to your knees or are you going to keep it, keep it up and stick it out? And, um, I've had a, a really interesting experience this past week where, uh, you know i got sick and all that stuff i talked about and then i had to go deal with um this uh group meetup that i do and i, I word that very negatively i don't mean it that way but the uh, it's a it's a meetup that i'm very passionate about and, and i help lead and i enjoy it but i just hadn't had energy for it i didn't advertise it the way i was supposed to I did a lot of things wrong and um i wasn't happy about it and i really wasn't looking forward to going but when the day came a couple of events were happening the the Uh, a day or two before I had met somebody and went to dinner with them and it was a a wonderful date. They're a wonderful person and I'm looking forward to talking to them again. I hope uh, that uh, Bond goes somewhere. It'd be cool if it does. If if not, oh well. But um, I really enjoyed them and we set up a kind of doggy play date to go and hang out on that Saturday. Um, And a lot of things happened on that Saturday. So I got up in the morning. I was already low on energy, already not sleeping well, already not eating well. I said, screw this. I need to do better today. I know I'm not going to have a lot of energy for this meetup. I know I need to prepare for this date this afternoon. I've got just so much on my plate. Let, let me take a step back and figure out how I want to do this. So I got myself organized and I went and got lunch. So I went to the place kind of near where I was meeting up early and I went to one of my favorite uh, spots for lunch and they had uh, one of my favorite bourbons there. It was a uh, Rip Van Winkle. It hadn't been opened yet. And I was like, holy crap, they never carry this. And so I got it. And and I had a couple glasses. I even brought the bartender a glass and said, I'm going to turn my day around. I'm going to start my day right. I'm going to drink one of my favorite drinks. I'm going to eat some decent food. And I'm going to just chill for a couple hours. I'm going to wait until this meeting and see if I can just chill here, have good conversations, and recuperate myself. And then go to the meeting. So I did that. And I'm starting off pretty well, right? Day's going good. I think I've turned things around. Uh, I go out to my car to unload some stuff. And I decide, oh... Well, the little coffee shop we're meeting at is just right around the corner. I could park a little closer now that some cars are gone from the lunch rush. And uh, I proceed to do that, even though I could have just easily taken my stuff out of my car and walked it to the coffee shop. Um, I got in my car, and as soon as I backed out, uh, for some reason, my bumper came off. And when I went to inspect what the damage was, it's because the little parking brick that's in front had actually got caught on an undercover uh, cover. That's underneath my car bent that up and that pushed my bumper out. I was able to get the bumper back on, but I actually couldn't even drive my car because the undercover was so bent, it would scrape along the road. So despite there being nothing like actually wrong with my car, the the physical damage to the exterior and the dragging uh, made it impossible for me to get anywhere. So I just kind of put a lid on that for now and got my stuff out of my car. And you can, you, I just know, like at this point, all right, my day's screwed. Cause I have a date this afternoon. I have no car. I have to figure out how I'm going to get home. I have to also take care of my dogs. Like, wh- what am I doing right now? how's this even going to work for me? So I go and I do the meetup. It, it goes fine. It goes about how I expected to. I know I don't have a lot of energy. I put in the best I could to it. Um, and I got in what I got out, which was, we had a, a good speaker, not a huge turnout. And, uh, an interesting play of events but beneficially to me uh, one of our participants helped me out with my car and i'm very grateful to him and uh we tried to kind of fix it while we were there we did some weird zip tie stuff it didn't work out i didn't have any of my tools on me so it didn't work he tried to get some of his he didn't, didn't work out but he at least took me home and i managed the rest of my day from there so i start calling in favors because i'm really looking forward to meeting up with this new person and connecting again um because i had such a good experience the first time and i don't want to screw it up and i feel like a scrub with no car and no free will (laughs) to move around and i realized at this point that not having my car is very crippling for somebody who lives alone with their dogs and works from home the only freedom i have is getting out and i need and doing stuff and i need a car to do that and i didn't realize how crippling it would be to not have it even for just a small period of time Um, Granted, if I hadn't had anything planned that day, it would have been less hectic, but it still feels very um, constricting. And I didn't expect it to feel that bad. And I went, I got home and I started calling in all the favors. Um, And that's one thing that's fortunate is why I don't feel like I have the emotional support I need in my life just yet. I do feel like I have the practical support, which is fantastic. I do, that's part of why I think it's so important to be genuine and do good for people because I, I would, at the drop of a hat, respond to any of my friends and as long as I feasibly could do whatever it is they need me to do for them and it's nice to be able to have that reciprocated fully and so I called in all the favors just to make this date for this person and and you could say oh you 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 like this person so much that that you you know pulled out all the stops you tried to make it no matter what it's like uh eh. I, I only just kind of know this person. Yeah, I am doing it for them to some extent, but I'm really doing it for me. I'm doing it because I don't want to look bad and because I am having a shit day and it's just not it. It's not what I wanted. And so I'm trying to turn that around so I pull out the big guns to do that. And um, it, it no surprise, it falls flat on my face. So I get to the dog park, I even take my dogs. I got good friends that are picking me up and, and riding me around and, and I sit at the dog park and I have a couple drinks and I'm waiting on this person to show up. And lo and behold, she finally gets back to me and her work day has been hell. She has had a hell day just like I have. And I can tell she's being genuine. And so I say, oh, shit. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, no problem. Date's off. We'll reschedule. And we eventually did. So everything's fine as far as that goes. But the, the whole day for me at that point, from my perspective, is just like, oh, well, I did all of this work went through all of this turmoil all of these minor inconveniences to ultimately do nothing all of that for nothing and um and while it and it's not it's not even that other person's fault at all like that they had a shit day too and i had a shit day so it's actually for the best like we why would we want to come together and give each other really shitty energy that sucks um but what it really amounted to when I finally left and I tried to repair my car and, and do some stuff. I'm pretty savvy with my car. I try to, to fix it wherever I can, but, uh, this just wasn't happening. Um, what I found was that, uh, by the time I got home and I was through the weekend, I didn't have any means of getting my car towed or fixed anytime soon. Cause in the weekends, body shops are closed. If you are somebody that can do body shop work, and you open a body shop that is either 24 hours or exclusively open on the weekends, you will make so much money. I promise. That is a great business idea. It's a free one. Please do that for me. Um, I understand why most don't. It's very difficult. You need time off, and your weekends are typically your time off, and body shops do a lot of heavy work. And sometimes they need the cars there for multiple days. It's not just a day-in, day-out thing, right? Uh, but God, the, the type of issue I had was such a minor, such a minor, minor issue. Um, Damage that could easily be repaired by anybody who was knowledgeable enough with cars. I just didn't have the tools, equipment, or space to do it because I was trapped. I was trapped in a parking space. So I needed somebody more knowledgeable than me to, to dig me out of this. And nobody could. The 24 hour places that do general repairs don't do body work, they just won't do it, especially when they hear uh, any kind of luxury vehicle. They're like, nah. And so I, I drive an Audi A6. And so they're like, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, can't, we don't have the parts for that. And I'm like, oh, I get it, but. Please help. You know, I don't. I'm. I'm not worried about the cosmetics. You know, I'm, I might drive a, a quote unquote fancy car, but I, I. It's a car. I just need a car to get places. I'm not bougie. Like it's it's a car that I like. That's why I picked it because I'm allowed to pick things that I like. But that's that's it. It's kind of where it starts and ends. It's still just a vehicle I used to get around. I don't really care what it is. But um, yeah, I, I try to do a lot of things. And it got to a point where uh, on Sunday, I I found a couple of body shops around that I uh, tried to fill out um, reservations for. And uh, the next day I called and I was like, hey, Uh, I'm primarily looking for body shops that did towing, too. So that way I could just get it all done one and go. And I called one that advertised that they did. And they were like, oh, yeah, we don't actually do towing. We have this towing partner. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's that's kind of what I understood. Can you like hook me up with them? I just wanted you to know that I'm not just dropping it off. And like, yeah, we can, but also we're booked for three weeks. And I'm like, wait, what the, three three weeks? Okay, I guess I really do need to try somewhere else. So I go and I try somewhere else. The next place I call is like, yeah, we can get you in and get you an estimate this week, but uh, we're booked until the beginning of April. And I was like, whoa. Is everybody's car dying lately? Apparently so. Uh, And it's actually a mixture of if you observe what's going on in the world right now. I had an interesting conversation with somebody that I'll get to. Um, Even though stuff may not impact us directly wherever we are, no matter what country we're in, as nations trade, as they war, as they conflict, as they uh, barter, as they make peace, whatever they're doing, as they do all those things, you are tangentially affected by the results of that. And one of the interesting things is that um, the automotive parts industry, uh, shipping stuff is slowing down, much like the computer chip manufacturing industry, stuff is kind of slowing down. So it's really, it takes a long time for parts to get here just because shipping, especially from overseas, if you have a foreign car is difficult right now. And um, so it makes sense why things are backed up too. It's not just arbitrary. Um, and if you if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world you can forget that I know I did I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that at all um, and I was I was able to keep calling around and eventually I found a place that could get me in this week on a Wednesday and I was like great I'll take it like it's it's this week they can get me in they can go hang the estimate and I know it's an easy repair it, it'll be in and out of the shop in a day or two And the only thing that would keep it a week is if there was like a, a one bolt that was a special German bolt that they needed. You know, otherwise it should be okay. I think any, anybody who is really good at cars can, can handle it. Um, but I, I got in with them, but then I still needed a towing service. Same thing happened with the towing service. Every tow service I called was like, nah, we're booked all day. And I even tried calling one of the 24 hour people that I was trying to give business to the previous day. I was like, Hey, I'm giving you another shot at getting my business. Um, cause you were so nice uh, are you are you able to? Tell me? He's like, no, I'm booked up for the day. I was like, dang. So I keep going, keep going down the list of places, and then eventually I get one that can get me. Now things start turning around, and you'll see where this relates to job in a second. I know this is just kind of a weird, long intro story, but it's it's super relevant. So, um, I get the car towed, and I get one of my friends to call in another favor, uh, and she takes me. To get my car towed, I meet up with the guy. Everything goes great. Super nice guy, super friendly. Tows my car to the repair shop. I go in and I let them know what's going on. Then I'm dropping it off early, uh, and you know I don't expect anything until Wednesday. And they're like, "Cool, we'll sign the paperwork, take the keys, um, and we'll we'll take a look at it for you, and and, and let you know what's up." I was like, "Fantastic!" So fifty percent of the problem solved, right? I've got my car in the shop, out of out of the parking lot. It is now. Going to be repaired. All right. Problem number two, I still don't have a vehicle to get around and I have stuff I have to do. I'm fortunate again that I work from home, but I still need to get out and be social and do things. I need to go get groceries. I need to work uh, on like my house and stuff. Like there are life things I need to do that require the vehicle if I'm going to be successful at them. Um, and we do have ride sharing services and stuff around here, but they're honestly not very good. I try to use one. Uh, even today, uh to instead of calling in a favor, but that's why I'm calling in so many favors, because I can't rely on those services. Uh they're not reliable in my city. That's not a huge city. It's it's still fairly small. So um yeah, I I now needed to figure out what I was gonna do next. I was like, okay. Um maybe I should just rent a car for the week. That seems like a good good backup plan. That'll keep me sane and everything will be moving forward. And then all I have to do is wait for my car to get fixed. Easy. So uh, I get my friend to take me to a car rental place and they're like, man, everybody took all the cars over the weekend. Uh, we were swamped. We have nothing. We may get something back this afternoon uh, if you want to try again, but otherwise it's going to be till like the middle of the week. Probably. I was like, wow, at every location though. Like, yeah, every location. So I do what they say and I go home and I book a reservation at one of the locations I hadn't been to yet. And I I book it for around five, which is when the guy told me they might get some drop offs or some cancellations and I get a call and the call is, Hey, um, we don't have anything just yet. Like right at where your reservation is, but we should have something a little after. We'll give you a call as soon as we have it. And I say, okay, cool. Thank you. I immediately call in another favor and I say, all right, Uh, in about 30 minutes, you know, come get me uh, and we'll, we'll go. And they, they come and get me and, I just show up at the place 30 minutes after my scheduled pickup time just to give them some time. But then I show up and show my face and say, Hey, you said that there was a potential for a car. I know it's a long shot, but I just want you to let you know I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to claim it. Cause a lot of these places are first come first serve. So I just show up. I don't rely on the reservation alone or for them to call me back. Um, and the, the guy gets me and he's like, yeah, I think we'll be able to, it's going to be a while, but I think we can get you something. I was like, fantastic. So, um, I sit down and I wait and I wait and I wait and wait for hours, hours. And there are people in there who have been waiting since noon that day. And it's like six o'clock in the afternoon now. Um, and I see people come in and out frustrated cause nobody else is able to get cars. And the three people that end up staying are me, this older lady, and, uh, this, uh, this, he's not really old, but an older gentleman. And he, um, And he and her start talking. They start talking about their experience and why they've been here so long. And I chime in with my experience with like the body repair stuff. We were all experiencing a similar thing. We had a a shared experience. Um, And it was very interesting. And we watched each other get our rental cars and we were happy for each other because it was like the first the lady who had been there the longest she'd been waiting she'd been stranded her phone wasn't working she'd been there since noon she couldn't get home she started to drive to the other state it was it was bad i felt bad for her and she she got her car and we we pulled around we were all like excited a car was pulling around because we all thought it was gonna be for one of us and we we're like oh no it better be for her cause she's been here the longest and together we cheered her as she went and uh, got her car and it was a very sweet experience. And then I stick behind and I mean, the other guy started talking and we have a, a similar interest in security. He did physical security and, um, uh, we actually took each other's numbers cause we were getting along so well. And, um, and, and saw each other as a great connection to have. So we did a little bit of networking there. Uh, his car comes around and I congratulate him. He goes on and then I'm stuck there for another hour. Finally, they pull up my car. I actually tipped the guy for staying after hours because they're well beyond closed at this point, and I uh, I hop in my little weird uh, Chevy EcoBoost, whatever it is they gave me, and I'm like just grateful I have four wheels to drive. Um, and how all this ties into Job is because what Job does throughout that story is he does stay faithful to God, and that's where a lot of times the teaching traditional in churches just stay faithful to God. But if you put this lens on in perspective of what Job is doing, Job's life to him. And his faith is god so why would he change who he was just because the world around him is crumbling down he stayed true to who he was that is i think the better moral of the story uh it's not that you can't have both it's not that the story isn't about that but i think the takeaway the reflection as a human being that you can take is job stayed him job didn't let adversity turn him into a monster he didn't let adversity turn him into an evil person he didn't uh, scream back at the sky whenever life was not going his way. He still stayed who he was and he struggled. It was hard. Uh, and and he even like suffered and, and, and wanted to break sometimes, but he didn't. And that's what I did to get through all these stupid minor inconveniences. Cause when you, when you take a look at all the minor inconveniences I've had throughout this week, whether it's the, the lack of joy, the general dealing with depression, some of those are major, I, I guess I'm being too, Uh, I'm belittling them a little too much. Some of them are pretty major, but you know, use spending the energy. The things I do to myself is kind of the more thing I want to focus on is like spending all the energy, going places, going on dates, meeting people, uh, making friends, all that kind of stuff that I'm expending my energy on. I do it to myself and all the, the damage and stuff that I did. Well, I did that. It was an accident. It's not like I did it on purpose, but I still did it to myself. It's nobody else's fault, but mine. And i could have screamed and shouted and pouted the entire way through all of that and just felt bad and said boohoo me but no what i did is i stayed nice i was stressed i was still stressed i was anxious i was tired and all these little uh, minor inconveniences compounded into this one big ball of stress so it ended up being a huge major inconvenience no matter which way you look at it and i truly didn't want to do anything I just wanted it to be over with I was so stressed out and I'm still stressed out but instead of letting stress get to me I stay calm and you benefit a lot from staying calm under pressure because you'll get stuff done and you'll eventually get out of it because it's not it's not ever going to be permanent um, it just sucks to sit and, and wallow in it so you have an option whenever adversity comes in your way you can either stay true to yourself or you can wallow in it and it's really easy to to wallow in it. I'm not saying it's it's uh gonna be easier to to be yourself. Uh, sometimes it's important to feel emotions even. And I'm I'm not even saying don't feel stressed. It's a stressful situation. I still feel stressed. Those emotions are just as valid. But how you handle it externally matters a lot. And how I handled this really showed me. Um, how much good there is in the world and how much good is going on because even though I was dealing with all this stuff it was stuff that I had caused myself these were trials that I had put on myself by accident or on purpose through my own actions that I ended up here and you know what I got out of it? I got lucky I got into a body shop when all other body shops were booked to get my car fixed I got a rental car when all the rental cars were booked and all I had to do was be patient and kind and along the way my friends helped me out and I made new friends that is absolutely beautiful and it's the same thing with the story of Job where he comes out the other side and he's like I stayed true to who I was and so that that's all that I'm kind of getting at here is stay true to who you are exercise patience and kindness at every step and that will be the most rewarding thing because even if you shoot yourself in the foot like I do all the damn time Um, just keep being nice to other people. They didn't cause you that pain. They didn't do anything you did and you can turn it around and you can even get them to help you turn it around. And I think that's just amazing. Um, so that, that is a a really positive twist on a lot of the things I experienced this week. Now I know that was a long intro and I promise we're getting into daddy issues. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, I want to start off, uh, talking about death. Um, so, uh, just the crux of the issue here the topic we're going to talk about is my father died when i was 18 years old um he uh, this is very difficult to talk about but i'm going to be open about it cuz it's not exactly a secret but he was uh, a drug addict and he um uh, suffered a lot with his own mental health but he was always a very good dad he was he was the best dad he was so good uh, he loved me and i have nothing but fond memories of him. he always did the, everything i know all the common sense shit that i'm spouting to you all i, I learned from my dad like dude was smart as fuck and um it, all the practical stuff i know how to fix cars cook clean manners all that stuff that dad like dad taught me all of that and i'm forever grateful um but like i said he died and i what are you supposed to do with death? So I've experienced death a lot throughout my life. And that's something that I'm not proud to say because I'm 26 years old. Um, That's unfortunate. I shouldn't have experienced this much death in my life so far, but I have now death to me. What I recognize it as now is just a, a means to release from life. And that is like, it's it's not even truly that right like it's it's not like you're free um but in some ways you are like i always make the joke you know once i'm dead i don't have to worry about taxes and stuff and that's true there's a lot of worldly things you don't have to worry about anymore and none of it's your problem so there is some peace in that and i i find peace in knowing that people aren't suffering um, but experiencing death when you're young is confusing cause it's not, you don't get to that point. I got to this point over a long period of time and I'm still figuring shit out. I'm talking like I know everything about death when I don't, don't listen to me. Uh, but do listen to this. Um, when I was younger, it was all about the detachment, the loss, you know, whenever you lose a dog or a family member, or, uh, even if it wasn't death, if it was just somebody going estranged in your family or something, it, it was, it was hard. It was loss and you grieved. And as I got older, I experienced more and more death. There were constant cases of suicide among peers. There were constant people I knew uh, overseas who were dying in wars. Uh, and I'm I'm like, this is ages thirteen through sixteen. You guys, like, this is not normal things that I think adolescents or teenagers should be experiencing. And I had one friend uh, that I had made a long time ago, and we we're basically pen pals. And he and I. Uh, talked a lot and uh he was in the middle east at the time uh where when a lot of wars and stuff were going on and we were trying to even withdraw troops but in his particular region things were heightening up and he he lived with his uncle and they were just in a dangerous area and he tried to make the best of it he tried to support others he you know he was a this sounds like i'm making shit up but he was a really edgy kid who who did like parkour and stuff um and i thought he was cool as hell i really really looked up to him and um one day i got a call from his uncle that he died and um he he was shot several times in the back and uh i i never heard from from him again i never got to say bye um and him me and his uncle kept touch for a little bit but we eventually lost connection i've never i haven't spoken to them well over at least 7 or 8 years now um, but that was the first time I really experienced death. And I was like maybe 15 years old at the time and nobody knew that was going on. Cause this was like a secret pen pal that I had and my parents didn't know, my friends didn't know. It was not cool to make friends on the internet back then, but you know, I am, I'm a hacker now for a reason. That's kind of one of the things we're good at doing is, is finding people online and, and making connections one way or another. Um, it's one of the more wholesome things. And, uh, yeah, so that happened and it was jarring for me because i didn't have anybody to go to nobody knew who this person was except for me nobody cared what i had to say and, and even if i did talk people would be like oh well, you didn't really know I was like no I, I talked to this person every day i shared my problems with them they shared my, their problems with me we, we saw each other's faces we knew each other's names we had direct contact with each other it was no different than if i had walked to their house every day it was different in in terms of physical like friendship but it was still that was a friend and that's valid and I had a deep connection to them and it hurt when they died. And it was even more confusing because I didn't know how to feel about the abstraction of that connection and I didn't know how to feel about the way this was impacting me adolescently and I eventually just became desensitized to it. Uh, So much so that when my my uncle died, I didn't really understand what was going on. I could see pain in my dad's eyes. I could see frustration between him and my stepmom. I could see pain throughout the family, uh, but people were keeping quiet. They weren't really talking about what was wrong and what happened. And he, he had actually committed suicide, and that was the one detail I was given, and I was given some later details that I, I, I don't feel like are necessary to disclose uh, publicly. But ultimately, things were cloudy for me. And I didn't understand what was going on very well other than just the raw facts. And the raw facts to me were things I was already desensitized to. So when I was seeing all these people unravel with pain, it's not like I didn't feel the pain. I felt the pain. I was sad. I'm still sad. Um, But I couldn't grieve correctly. I didn't know how to grieve. Um, And I found myself being the support. I would try to play games with my dad. I would try to be there a little bit more often. I would try to ask him questions. I would try to be a positive experience in that so much so that i disassociated the whole time my depression took over and i didn't know what was going on i'm I'm maybe 17 at the time i i am out of my mind out of my wits literally driving on autopilot trying to uh navigate this this terrible life circumstance um and then the very next year um my dad uh, relapsed and he overdosed and he was sober for a while. Um, but he relapsed and he overdosed and he died. And, uh, I'm 18 now. My, um, family's all kind of coming together for this and my stepmom's in, in horrible condition as well. And, uh, I ultimately have to work with my stepsister at the time and we have to bury my father An 18 year old. You're not an adult. You're, you're an adult by, legal standards, but you're, you're still a teenager. Um, believe it or not. And I didn't believe it at the time either. And now I know for sure. Um, I was expected to bury my dad at 18 years old. And that was, I was completely desensitized. I did cry. I handled emotions weirdly. Um, but I didn't grieve. I didn't grieve. And my partner at the time was there for me through the whole thing. And she did her best. Um, and I applaud her. Uh, it was not easy to deal with me at that time because I was so out of it. I was so disassociated. I would cry at random times. I'd panic at random times. I would, not, I would just not grieve. I would ignore it. I would deal with the symptoms and then go after it as if I had it under control because I had to. I had to fill out paperwork. I had to be involved in decisions because ultimately everything from my dad go, went directly to me because that's how he wanted it. And, uh, so, so I had to navigate the family structure. I had to navigate how things were working and all these decisions were mine and I'm 18 years old and my dad just died and you're expecting me to do all this other bullshit and not grieve. And so I did, I did all the other bullshit instead of grieving. I've prioritized the bullshit over grieving and that really screwed me over. Um, and then about a year later, my stepmom died. She was a, a diabetic and she, um, relapse with drinking and similar thing happened to her um and i i don't want to touch on her death too much just because after that happened that that whole family situation was pretty much no longer existent i still admire my stepsister i think she's great but uh, we're obviously technically no longer siblings um it's complicated uh, we we just didn't keep in touch from there on out. Really, really well. Um, there was a lot of weird family things, but a lot of things were hidden from me, and it was very uncomfortable the whole time. I was basically no one wanted to tell me what happened to my dad because they were afraid that was going to break my heart. But I also had to go to the 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 basically the essentially the state FBI to turn over evidence for his phone and stuff, and I had to like hack into his accounts and stuff so they could get stuff back and and do all this kind of stuff which is you know part also part of my foray into uh achieving my uh skill set that i have now so thanks thanks pop but um yeah i was in i made all those decisions i made those drives i went and dealt with all those things and um they thought i just wouldn't figure things out they, they were trying to to edge me along It's like the the police are just going to tell me what's going on. The the courts are going to tell me what's going on. The, the funeral home is going to tell me what's going on because they have to, because I have to make a decision and I have to make an informed decision. But even still, even with all of the factual details that were necessary to put things together, um, I still was missing so much information. I was missing so much information just about my dad's life and my history in general with him. I was missing so much information about the events that led up to this and how he was feeling because I didn't get to hear it from him. And everybody else that he did tell it to didn't want to tell me because they thought it was too scary. And let me tell you something. Once your, 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 someone you love dies, there's nothing you can say about them that's going to make it worse. They're gone. They're dead. The worst thing already happened. Tell me whatever else is going on so I at least can know why they're dead. You know, that's it's very frustrating. Um, so I experienced a lot of death growing up as a child and then even on the bridge of going into an adult and as an adult I still didn't grieve um and this became more apparent whenever my uh mom eventually she remarried uh and moved across the country and so I'm very young in my 20s I am excelling through college and I'm on my own and I, I rent my house I do them a favor I rent my house from them uh or rent their house from from them while they move away, so they don't have to sell it right away. And I get a roommate, he's one of my best friends, and um, everything's fine, I, I get through it. It's kinda like how I described before, I felt fine. At this point in my life, I had good friend structures, my relationship was healthy or so I thought, and everything was okay. Um, but I didn't grieve. Man, I didn't grieve. And I still, I, I think I've done better at it in recent years. Um, I definitely don't have the panic attacks I used to. Um, and that's for sure. Because I, I learned, I did learn how to grieve better. I took some time to grieve. Uh, but it took way too long. Way, way too long. It wasn't healthy. And it caused a lot of damage to me. Um, and what I learned is once you grieve and you can move past it all, you can actually find yourself. Because the real damage from all of that death isn't the loss it's how you held yourself it's the it's what you went through in those experiences it's what you experienced and that's why i harp on shared experiences so much is because um your experience really makes the difference between uh what you view about life and what you don't and for me i just viewed death as another thing that happens and i didn't care about grieving and i was i was so emotionally empty that i just i didn't care um and i i Tried to focus on the mundane, and that didn't work. And at the end of it all, I found myself. And like I've talked about before, I still don't like myself, but I sure like this person that I am now a hell of a lot better than I do the person who doesn't know how to grieve, than I do the person who doesn't know how to be empathetic. Um, I don't. Uh, I'm glad that person's gone, but at the same time, it's a lot of damage to get there. It's a lot of unnecessary damage. None of that is something I would wish on anyone. And if you have ever experienced anything similar to that and you can relate to what I'm talking about, then make sure you've grieved. Make sure you've paused for yourself. Make sure you're not doing what I did. Make sure you're not desensitized. Make sure you're not feeling emotionless and uh, living without empathy. Make sure that you are being you. Find yourself and just exist and grieve and be okay with feeling like shit because you're gonna feel like shit. That's part of grieving. Um, but you have to do it. You have to get through it so you can get to the other side and find yourself in it all. And that's ultimately what happened for me is after all that death, I had everything else kind of spiral down, downwards in my life. It it stayed steady, stable for a couple years, but between my friends' lives and my life and my relationships, everything went downhill because I wasn't being myself. And it's only now where I can describe and tell funny stories that relate to some funky book of the Bible uh, and, tell you that i experienced something beautiful in all that i wouldn't have been able to do that 10 years ago i wouldn't be able to do that five years ago it's it's amazing how powerful finding yourself can be because i am still a depressed mess of of fuck shit (laughs) i don't know a better way to describe i probably could describe that better but uh just to keep some some humor here uh i'm still that i am i'm not happy i am not really doing great but i'm so much better. And I know who I am. And I think that's what's the most important thing. All right. I know this episode was kind of long, but I hope you found a lot of use out of it. A lot of relatability. Um, yeah. Uh, stay tuned for the next one. Uh, like I said, it'll come out when it comes out. Uh, thanks for listening.